I'm going to be very candid with you. We are living in a computer program reality. Welcome everyone to Simulation Nation, your portal to all things virtual. I'm your host, Johnny Android, and I'm here to keep you informed about all that's happening in the metaverse. We record our episodes live in Allspace every week, and you can join us from your PC or VR headset. Just log into Allspace, join our Simulation Nation channel, and teleport in to offer your opinion, question, or whatever else. Tonight, we take a look back at the original Total Recall from 1992. This film tells the story of a construction worker played by Arnold Schwarzenegger, who suddenly finds himself embroiled in an espionage plot on Mars and unable to determine if the experiences he's having are real or the result of memory implants. Joining us again is the wonderful Joey Bunnier. So, Joey, this was uh, your choice. So uh, do you want to start us off with telling us why you chose this movie? Okay, so I basically have a lot of history with this just because personally, when I was younger, this was one of the first movies I've ever seen with serious violence and a little brief nudity. So it was uh, quite impressioning. Impressioning impression? is good. That's not the word. Yes. It was quite impressionable. <laughs> impressionable on a young Joey. So um, I will say that it was one of the first Schwarzenegger movies I really loved. Um, it was before I saw Terminator 2. So I kind of really, I just, as a young person, it was like, whoa, this is something I've never seen before. I also really, looking back on it, every time I've seen it since, which is a bunch, I really just dig the way the ending is somewhat ambiguous. And I generally go back and forth sometimes on how I feel that it actually ends. So there's not many movies that I can kind of say that. I can kind of, you know, go back and back to and really, you know, give myself something different every time. So I dug totally. it. Yeah. Nice. Total recall. Um, totally recall. I'm you, sorry. Was, you I'm totally so dug the total recall. I'm so sorry. Um, no, it was great. I, uh, so, so we watched the movie just before we start the podcast and, uh, it was completely enjoyable. I, I, I totally love it. So overall impressions, generally speaking, uh, for this time watching it, um, you know, I'd I've seen it before, obviously a few times I love, uh, I mean, it's so quintessentially nineties. It's so perfect. Like really? the style That's of interesting. it. Arnold's okay. <laughs> I, I put it at the eighties. That's so interesting. Well, okay. It was it, it was shot in the eighties. It came out in nineteen ninety. For me, okay, eighties slash nineties. I guess you. I guess you're right. It's like more like studio eighties, but it has that kind of over the top feel of a, a early nineties action sci fi movie. I mean, Arnold Schwarzenegger in full form, all like muscles. Paul Verhoeven. I mean, the style of this movie really struck me that it's it's got all those sort of pastel 80s colors so i guess you're right in that sense it's not like grungy indie 90 movie it's like polished sort of 80s pastel colored movie uh but um, the Paul Verhoeven over-the-top violence was <laughs> so awesome. How many people get shot directly in the head by a bullet? I'm oh not sure. God. But so many. Everyone's got to die by a bullet directly to the brain, which I found <laughs> pretty funny. Everyone is perfect, perfectly accurate. Everyone has great aim. Um, I, yeah. I, I just want to give a special shout-out to the guy on the escalator who got shot maybe a <laughs> hundred times right in front of right. Arnold. He was Arnold's human shield. And then Arnold picked him up and threw him down the escalator and he was Arnold's weapon. So kudos to that guy <laughs> right. with a hundred squibs in his body who managed to get like, what a great story that guy has, right? He gets to be like Arnold threw me into the two bad guys and I got shot a million times. It's like, oh, yeah. anyways, but I think that, um, yeah. oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No. Yeah. I, I, I thought, I thought that the, the action was, it was very, you know, to this day, it's a very entertaining movie. Like it, it, it you know, I think the effects are pretty good. I think that they, um, do a lot with, they do this, um, this sort of rubber maquette face of Arnold Schwarzenegger that they, they use so often, they get they get a really good value out of that prop. Right, like, that's true. <laughs> they, they they made one rubber face of Arnold Schwarzenegger and they used it at the very the opening shot when okay. his eyes bug out. That's true. Then they use it. Then they use it when uh, he's pulling that thing out of his nose. That's true. Then they use it. Then they use it when he's he's transforming himself out of that woman character at the uh -huh. at the Martian airport. Uh -huh. Two weeks, woman. And then they use it at the end when his eyes are bugging out again. So they got a lot of use out of that rubber Arnold mask. <laughs> and it was the it, it, you know of the budget that's fifty to sixty million. That prop must have made most of the budget back because that. Uh, 
That was great. I, I completely agree. That was it, it actually wasn't too bad. I will say I was looking at it. I'm like, it, it definitely resembles Arnold. It's not perfect, but it's really damn close, especially for the time. I am curious, though, the blow up ones right? the decompressed out Mars atmosphere ones. Are they the same? They got to be different, right? You can't just blow up a rubber thing and make it look like that. Right. I, I I think you, you could be right that there were multiple models. I think what they did is they took a plaster or a, a plaster mold of Arnold's face and maybe they paid, made multiple rubber masks out of it. But uh, for sure, the beginning and the end with his eyes bugging out were obviously the same. And then I, I you know what, though? I, I don't know. I think that they might all be the same because it's rubber. So it can re, it can elasticize and it can go back to its shape. Right. I'm so no rubber I expert, think, but I know know that i <laughs> right. i'm not glue and whatever sticks to me does not stick to you there you go i'm sorry exactly. again i apologize how for did you jokes. get that <laughs> so i'm i'm gonna go off script immediately please joey do it i love it <laughs> but so th- i loved uh, the th- one of the things that struck me about this movie was that it, i love seeing futuristic technology from the point of view of a person in 1990 yes so did you <laughs> what? absolutely How did, what did you every think? okay here's my thing and i wanted to say this earlier that when i look at a movie's year i always look at the hair look at the hair okay the <laughs> right. hair was teased out frizzy tons of hairspray big like late 80s um and it's amazing that in in the year uh you know the near future whatever the fuck year this is they still right. have the same 80s hair you know, I also yeah. was shocked that Arnold still dresses like a schlub. Like what? You know, even construction workers <laughs> right. in 2100 or whatever still dress like that. Right. I was a little annoying. Totally. But, but I think totally. I, I did love the Johnny well, cab. I mean, there's a lot of stuff here. The video calls. There's a lot of great little yeah. touches here about what the future would look like. I don't know. Johnny totally. Captain. And I think some of this, <laughs> some they got right and some they got wrong. Yes. Right. So, okay. So let's just, let's just start, let's just start with the video conferencing call yes. where they have this ancient, like microfiche style computer from like the 1950s yes. that is required in order to be able to pull off a <laughs> video call. So yes. they, they got the video call element right, but they didn't quite get that, that it would be in our pocket. Like that's right. how good it would be like, yeah, it's enormous right? cumbersome piece of metal it's like it doesn't make any yeah. sense as far as like the shape of it and you have to like right. smack it to like flip it so it's got to have a flip phone element to it it's really strange right but you're right i think you've got to give them credit for the, the video call aspect of it the super interesting thing about the video call though is that they were able to have a real-time video call on this massive machine between mars and earth Yes. Which is like that. So some of it was like super bad technology, but some of it was like way more advanced than we could imagine. Oh my God, technology, yeah. I forgot. That's is, a great point. Right? I didn't even think about that. There'd yeah. be a huge delay. Kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, but the, so, the, okay. So your other one, which is the cabbie, right? The, the cabbie with this like Johnny smart cab, talking, like fast talking Johnny cab. He's like, sarcastic. Okay. <laughs> sarcastic. He only has uh, one emotion and it is, I'm, I'm not happy do driving you. And I am sarcastic when I'm driving you. Right. That's Johnny. I'm the sarcastic character actor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but so, but, but I do think that though, that they got that tech, right. Where they had automated car. So I, I guess, Okay, so quickly about Johnny yeah. Cap. Yeah, yeah. Arnold seemed like he was he was driving it manually, right? So was he was he allowed to do that, or was that only because he ripped off the guy? Like, like, are they allowed to be driven manually? That's my question. I think I don't think so. I, I think that the fact that there was a manual override was kind of interesting, but like, yeah, he had to rip out the Johnny Cap dude and then take over the controls, and it was became yeah. It's you know I don't know if that's going to be the way that things are going. Right. I just like um, the voice tech just in case. Yeah, totally. Um, the other technology that I thought was pretty bang on actually for now was the augmented reality stuff. So they had two different augmented reality things. So the first was uh, Sharon Stone um, practicing tennis, her tennis stroke with an augmented reality holic. They called it hologram, which is very, that is what it is. It's the hologram. Uh, so they were, she was practicing tennis with her hologram and they were like sort of making her form better, which I think is like literally going to happen in three years. Right. Um, 
And then the second one was, which I thought was the coolest effect was the hologram of Arnold Schwarzenegger, how he's able to replicate himself and uh, trick people in, because he can, they, it sort of does what he does and they think it's real. So they shoot at it, but then he's behind them and then he shoots at them. So that, but that's another augmented reality. It wasn't. Yeah. I, I, I love that. It just took like, you just have to wear the watch. That's it. And it will automatically copy you and your movements. That was really cool. I also thought it was really nice to shot it too. It must have not been super easy to do it perfectly like that with a mirror. So I was thinking about that too. So technology was pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought, I thought those were some cool, uh, technical elements that sort of struck me as we were watching the movie. I think that, um, the only other, the other thing that was like completely insanely, uh, uh, advanced technology was they, and this is a spoiler for anyone who hasn't seen this movie. I feel like if you haven't seen a movie after 10 years after it's released, you're spoil It's okay to say spoilers. Would you agree with that? Sure. For sure. Okay. okay. So in the, yeah, go ahead. In the end of the movie, they terraform Mars within minutes. So at, at, at the, yeah. <laughs> right at the beginning of the sequence Arnold is dying suffocating on Mars and by the end it's terraformed and and Arnold can like breathe naturally and like everything's perfect I have literally wrestled with this issue for a long long time <laughs> right. and I have just settled on the fact that fuck it I'm just gonna go with it it's not you're right it doesn't make any sense especially considering we see Arnold with his eyes popped out like yeah. Assume right. bodies react right. in the same way, right? right. So yeah. it's just like, oh, oxygen comes on top of me, and now, oops, my organs are back in place where they were before. No, they're popped out. Right. The blood's boiling and shit. Like you're gone. So yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. but I'll, I'll yeah. that. Uh, it only takes uh, maybe five, ten seconds to terraform an entire planet. But I, I get it. Like you needed to. You needed to show that okay, it's a wasteland, and then suddenly it's 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 like it's a rejuvenated wasteland at the end, and everything's great. I totally get why they did it, and it's hilarious because now it's like if we could ever terraform Mars, it's going to take decades, if not centuries, to be able to pull off. But they do it in minutes. So some of the technology, like this, this the, the FaceTime calls are like way behind, but some of the technology is so crazy advanced. So kind of kind of funny. Um, but I think we should talk about the actual biggest technology here, and that's recall. Okay. Yeah. Good idea. Good idea. The ability to simply implant memories that you go on, on vacation or, or pleasant memories. Right. This is such a crazy, uh, obvious negative aspect that we're only they only kind of touch on because Cohagen was really doing it, the negative aspects of the memory implant to one dude, his double agent, right. you know, Quaid. So it's like, right. this is such a huge technology breakthrough that then they're just like, oh, we're just going to use it as travel. <laughs> That's it. Right. right. It's a little strange. It's like, oh my God, this is the coolest thing ever. And yeah, maybe you can go on a two week vacation. It's like, this is two, two week vacation of fantasy, fantasy Mars. Yeah. Well, that's it, you know, it, extra. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it is kind of a cool idea that you can get sort of like a, I'm going to try to do air quotes in VR here, uh, a virtual vacation, right? Like you're not, you're, you're, you're going on a vacation in your mind because they're essentially implanting to, in you the memories of the vacation. So I, I kind of get how that could be like a cool, uh, you know, uh, business in, in the future, but yeah, there would be a lot of better things that you could do with that technology. Yeah. But, but if, of course, if we break down the plot, I don't know. Are we into the, I guess we're getting into the plot because that, that, right. That's, that's getting into the plot of it. The plot gets a little crazy, uh, because it's hard to sort of, um, the, I mean, is it real? Is it not real? And then following the logic, I think these days we're getting much better at being able to follow the logic. And cause in, in one of these movies, you have to make two logics, at least two logics work well in order for the movie to work. In this example, I think one logic works well. The other one has a few flaws. I, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. What do you think? Does the plot hold up or what do you think? The other one. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I like to think that at the end, it is still all a dream. 
Um, and he, I'd like to think that, but to be honest, right. multiple clues in the movie that says the opposite, that it's actually all reality. Right. For instance, the, I think the sweat on the brow of the guy when he shoots him is a very big right. clue that this is actually real because that guy feels yeah. like he is not some sort of yeah, fake, you know, you know, um, figment of his imagination. It is definitely yeah. real. So that's interesting. But I will say that the nice part about the ending there, it, the clue that I always get is that little sound cue, right? Because yeah. after you flash out of the ending, it's giving you the little clock sound. That uh-huh. the recall sound. So it is kind of hinting at that, I think, in an audio sense. But yet again, I don't know how much Jerry Goldsmith was told by the writer. Also, I do have one more question, too, because I'm not sure if you've read the source material by Mr. Philip K. Dick. Mr. Philip K. Dick himself, right? Sir Philip, uh, I, mascot of this podcast. Sorry, world. That's Cup. right. The uh, godfather of it all. He is. Yeah. Uh, I did read, I, I did read the short story. Yep. And it is, he does go, he is like sort of a menial sort of, I guess you'd say like, uh, construction type worker. And then he goes to a place called recall and he did, but it goes wrong because he discovers that he has, uh, already had implanted memories in him. And then it's like, Oh, sorry, everything went wrong. So then he goes home, but then he goes home and there's like a Martian, uh, like plant on his desk or something like that. And so then he's like, wait a minute, what's going on here? And then it, so it sort of does follow, I think it's like, okay, so they, they obviously had to do a lot to tweak it to make it a two hour movie, but it does sort of follow the same logic. And then in the end, it's like, is it a dream or is it real? We don't know. Like that was all in the original story. Yeah. Well, is yeah. there a Stone character? Is there a wife? There is a wife, yep. And then at first she's like, no, you're crazy. What are you talking about? Like, why would you be, why are you saying that there's a Martian, you know, you were on Mars? And all that stuff is, is true. But I I don't remember if he was an agent, though. I don't think he was like an agent from Mars. I think he had just uh-huh. been to Mars. And so there's a, they made it more of like an action movie, I, if I recall. Okay. If I recall. I was curious for that because they definitely took a turn when he was offered the secret agent package. And he's, yeah. Oh, that, that's that's what I want to do, and then you know, and he tells him the whole story, pretty much the whole plot of the movie, right there. You know, you right. have to free Mars and do it from you know, which is great. I think it's very cool. It's yeah. of, but I, I really dug it. Um, I don't know. I think. I did, I, I'm, oh, go ahead. No, yeah, I, I think so. For me, uh, I had a few issues with the plot, and I think that there's only I think I have only two major issues with the with the plot. Uh, one of which could have been solved with a few lines of dialogue and one of which could have been solved with a single shot. So I think we're, we're a few lines of dialogue in a single shot away from this movie making sense. <laughs> so, so, okay. So does, it, it, for those out there who don't quite remember, I guess we should just, should we just like a very quick overview. Like he's a guy, right? He's a construction worker who, who always has these thoughts of Mars. He just wants to go to Mars. He doesn't know why. So then he's like, I'm going to have a, I'm going to have false memories implanted of a trip to Mars. So he goes to this place called recall. He gets these memories implanted, but before they get fully implanted, something goes wrong because they realize that he already had his memories erased and a new memory implanted. And so then everything goes haywire. He goes back home. He discovers that, Oh my God, I actually am a uh, Martian super spy. And all, all of my life is fake. My wife is fake and my job is fake. I've got to get out of here. And so he discovers that he's a real agent. He goes to Mars. He's working for the uh, mutant underground of Mars to free themselves from this horrible colony. But along the way, the bad guys are like, no, 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 no. We're still at recall. We're still on Earth. You're like just losing your shit. And you think this is real, but it's not real. And he's like, no, 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 no. This is real. So he keeps fighting for it. And then, uh, in the end, basically he discovers that his real self from like seven years ago, when his fake memories were implanted, uh, it was evil and was working for the bad guys on Mars and was tricking him into giving them the, um, the mutant, uh, rebel, uh, secrets so that they could wipe out the mutant rebels. And then he's like, fuck you guys. I'm fighting for the rebels. Now I don't care about my old self. My old self was evil and I'm not evil anymore. So I'm going to take you all down. And then he terraforms Mars. 
And then in the very, very end, he's like, maybe it's still a dream. Maybe I'm still in a recall. Maybe this is all a false memory implant. Did, did I get that right? I think it was very good. Well said. Okay. Okay. So here are my two issues with it. Number one, if in the end we are to believe, let's just take away the, is it real? Is it not real? The very, very end. And let's just say that it's like, we're supposed to believe that he actually was a Martian spy. Yeah. Then why, if they wanted the secrets of the Martian, um, I'm with you. guys, why did they take seven years <laughs> out of them? Why did, why did they take seven minutes? Like, why didn't they just plunk them back at home? Yeah. And then be like, you know, seven years has, has gone by. And now we're like, you know, come on, like, let's get this show on the road. But no, like, why did they wait seven years? Why did Sheriff Stone have to fake it for seven years? I don't know. It doesn't make that doesn't, doesn't make sense to me either. Doesn't it? Because a memory can, you could have a memory implant that was seven years long. So there was no reason why they couldn't just make it seven minutes or seven hours. So that was, so that's the tweak of dialogue that I think that could have fixed it. Like all they need to do is change the word years to hours. Okay. And, okay. and then it's like, I, no, I think there's not just one mention of that. Isn't there? No, it's a few lines of dialogue. Yeah. There's a few, a few lines of dialogue. Yeah. yeah. But, but if they had just changed the timeline to like seven minutes or seven, it would have totally made perfect sense to me. Right. Okay. So that's that one. The second one is, why, when he went to recall at the beginning in the office, did they show him the picture of Melina, his girlfriend from Mars? Doesn't, right? doesn't make sense. All they needed to do, all they needed to do was take out that single shot and yep. just have, have him want a demure brunette who's aggressive or whatever. They only had one headshot, Graham. They had one headshot. <laughs> I, I almost feel like Paul, I feel like Paul Verhoeven was like, the audience isn't going to get it. We got to like show her picture. And then the audience. Okay. There's a lot of these moments. I thought that I was like, wait, well, this is just bad direction uh, or like lazy direction. There was a lot of moments of that. It felt like this was in a rush at some points. Um, some of the lines, the ADR lines were weird. Like, um, I also noticed that the um, this is something that kind of bugged me was that the, his buddy, the construction buddy, was trying yeah. to tell him about the recall commercial and he sang the recall song. And he's like, recall, 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 like that, like like an opera. But that's not the way it was sung. And, and it was clear that it was like, OK, they had no idea what they were thinking of musically. And that's not a big deal. But it's clear that they didn't do like the ADR at the right time or they didn't think about the music at the right time. So it was just like something that wasn't very well thought out and i thought that was just very uh it was very um you know it was a very specific benchmark that showed me that it was just not quite as professional as i thought it used to be right <laughs> maybe when i was younger yeah. I more polish on this yeah but you know i i totally get that i mean paul verhoeven's specialty is like really bombastic over the top action like the scripts that they used at this were to blow up people's brains were like Tarantino type scripts. Like they were like, like filled with like cottage cheese or something. Like there was like the blood was like massive bulbous blood. Like it was really wild. The action's heavy, a lot of crane shots that are swooping in and out. Uh, the colors are vibrant and big. Arnold Schwarzenegger's performance is over the top. I mean, all, everything Paul Verhoeven and the thing I love about him is that he's so over the top, right? Like, yeah. and it, it worked when he did it for sci-fi. People didn't love it when they did, when he did it for showgirls. Although I love, you know, I love to hate showgirls. You're going to say love? Okay. Okay. There you go. I am going to say it. It's got to, you, you can't watch showgirls and not be entertained. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. Fair enough. That's absolutely a fair statement. I, I agree. I think the over-the-top stuff is really awesome. Um, and he's just simply not afraid to fucking go for it. You know, and I really think that's such a thing that's missing these days. There's no directors like that these days, I think. There's some that have a little of it, like your Nicholas Winding Refn's or something like that. or. Right. Yeah, no, or something. But I think that in general, the way the, the the pop s element of this, right? There's no pop, you know. There's no Michael Bay like this, right? There's no one making right. a Schwarzenegger movie or with The Rock, like and taking right. these ridiculous over the top risks. So I really, really love that, and I think that. Yeah. The fact that they're even doing this movie, right? Taking the Philip K. Dick story and putting their biggest action star in the world into it, it's fucking totally. Cool. Right? Totally. 
had him beating people up and shooting people like in Commando. But they decided to kind of do a really fucking deep, philosophical, interesting movie. And I was like, wow, this is uh, impressive on those levels, I think. Yeah. So should we, should we talk about the themes before we o- open it up to our, our quiz? Are you gonna, you're going to be my quiz guy if our audience is not uh, engaged. We'll just have to pretend. We'll just have to come up with quiz questions on the spot. Um, so should we talk about the themes? Is that, is that the next thing on the docket? Okay. I mean, the docket is, uh, is all over the place now, but let's, yeah, let's go for it. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Um, all right. So we've, we, Philip K. Dick is our godfather of the simulation nation for a reason, which is that he was one of, he was probably the first person ever to openly say that we are living in a computer generated simulation. And although this story was written in 1966, uh, it's called, uh, we'll remember for you wholesale. It was a short story written in, in 1966. And, um, you know, they didn't have computers in 1960. I don't know. Did they? Maybe, a little, maybe they did to get people to the yeah, moon. The basic ones, right? Apollo kind of computers, those style. Right. But the reason I think, the reason I think he's the godfather of simulation nation is because he is all, almost all of his stories have to do with, uh, alternate realities and your mind is being tricked and uh, everything you see in front of you is a, a, a lie to the deeper truth that we are being fooled uh, from not understanding. Right. And so illusion. So in this case, it had to be, uh, it was memory implants. So you go into this, this sort of machine that will implant in you virtual memories that never existed. They were they're programmed from an outside source. And so your mind sort of becomes the virtual machine in this way. And, and you have, you, you, you live things that you didn't know you live. So that's how it comes about in this story, which I think is pretty interesting. Um, one of, one of my all time favorite movies is eternal sunshine, the spotless mind where you're trying to erase memories from like a, a love gone wrong. Um, I don't know. What, what, what did you think about it? I, I think that again, I like the theme of using memory as a weapon. I think that's really cool. So I like how Bohagen was able to create a double agent that was so good that he didn't even know he was a double agent, right? Because he planted a false memory. That's a really amazing idea. And it creeps me the fuck out because, and, and I love the idea and throughout the whole movie that he really doesn't have a past, Right. He doesn't really know. Um, I forget his alter ego. Right. He's Quaid. But what's the other guys? What's his uh, Hauser? Uh, Hauser. Hauser. Yeah. So right. I love the element of this guy really doesn't have anything before the movie. It's almost like we right. are because we don't have a memory of this character before the movie. We're just kind of starting with what he's got. And that's an immediately cool kind of empathetic thing that I like that about right. That we, he has no memory prior to the movie, and neither do we. Uh, I right. like that. I think, in general, the, it's a weird start of the movie. It's got it kind of is mixed with its themes. It doesn't really kind of stick to stuff. Um, but I don't know. I, I really just uh, I can't really say enough about that. I just like the idea of using memory. Um, but right. as far as I guess we didn't, we didn't really talk about the positive aspects of it. But right. I don't know. I, 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 the question is really for me and you too. Would you do it? Would you go on a recall trip? I don't know. Well, you, yeah. I mean, it's cer- right. It's certainly. Um, I if you could, you know, if if there was a part of your mind that knew it was a false memory, then maybe I would do it. But if it's like, I don't know. I mean, okay. So that's not it. It's not the thing, right? So. Okay. So let, here, here, let's, let's just take it. So let's say, so I, I just got married, right? So, uh, we are in quarantine. So we were actually, we got married right before quarantine happened, right before all this COVID stuff, we were not able to go on our honeymoon. So what if I could implant a fake honeymoon? that was the ultimate dream honeymoon that we had, but we never went anywhere. And let's say that our honeymoon would cost us like $10,000, right? And let's say this memory implant would cost us one thousand dollars. Oh my god! And for all intents and purposes, I would think, oh yeah, for a tenth of the cost, I went. I went on this trip, and is it? it, it would I ever know that it wasn't real or not? Who cares, right? Because I feel the memories there. It was the greatest trip of my life. I had, you know. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe I, that's a good example. 
I think it's a great example. I think the price thing is really interesting because that's what kind of like the used carsman sales, the used car salesman said to Schwarzenegger. He was like, we're cheaper right. than the model. And then he showed him right. some graph, which was really funny, by the way, about how the shuttle was uh, more dangerous than recall. Right. But we only have a few deaths per year, you know, compared to the right. shuttle. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Right. But that's really interesting because especially in the time of COVID, right, we don't want to go on a cruise. We might not want to take a flight. We might want right. to go on a crowded beach. But with recall, you can do it, Grant. Hey, with recall, we can do it. I feel. So, <laughs> I I just feel like there might be a purpose. There may be a play, a time and a place uh, for that. Um, and let's say you're two. Let's say you're you're two consult, consenting adults, and you decide, okay, our honeymoon, we're not going to be able to go on it, but let's have it. In, or let's have a false memory implanted, and it's going to feel like it, we actually had it. Then who knows? Maybe I don't know. I'll, I'll, think, I'll think about it. You won't. You won't get into a fight. You know, it'll be, you can engineer it as a perfect memory, right? And you can really engineer anything, right? You can say, okay, I won the no, I won the lottery. Maybe like you know, something amazing happened. Like we saw dolphins and sharks and you know, scuba diving and saw the most amazing thing in the world. And you know, so you really can kind of engineer the best sort of vacation without any yeah. sort of stress or worry. And to me, that's best because. To me, honestly, the worst part of going on a vacation is fucking traveling. Like, I, I hate the airport. I don't like flying. Like, I don't like dealing with that bullshit. So, if I get rid of all that, I'm on board. No? Yeah. Who knows? Maybe it's maybe they got a good idea here. Let's do it. All right. So, me, baby. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, so, what should we do about the quiz? Should we do some quizzes? We have some audience here. They've been they've been coming and going. Uh, should, should, should we, should, should we do some quizzes? Like, uh, I, I suppose. Yeah. We're just gonna have to quiz each other. Is this how this is going to go? I guess we'll, we'll have to, we'll have to do questions that maybe aren't so obvious. Do we have new questions that we can come up with? I don't know. I mean, we can just improv some if you really want off the top of the dome. Okay. Do you have any? All right. Well, uh, Wolverhoven. He was born in what city? Oh, I like it. Um, I think he's Dutch. I'm going to go with Amsterdam. Very good guess. You are correct, Graham. Okay. Excellent. Uh, I, there you go. And I got a, I got a, I got a question here. So, um, what, so I'm the, I'm the writer geek. So you I'm going to stump you on the writer questions, but what, okay. So Paul Verhoeven also, uh, directed the sci-fi classic Starship Troopers. What great sci-fi author wrote Starship Troopers, the book? <laughs> I don't know this. I really don't know. Um, <sighs> Philip K. Schmick. I thought you were going to, I thought that would have been a good, that would have been my guess. You know, Philip K. Dick would have been a good guess, but no, it's uh, Robert Heinlein. Robert Heinlein. One of the other, what, uh, anything else? Robert Heinlein, he did, uh, he did, um, uh, Stranger in a Strange Land, which hasn't ever been made. Uh, he did. Um, did he not write Predestination, or was that Philip K. Dick? I think he wrote Predestination, the short story that the movie is based off of. But he's on he's on the Mount Rushmore of the sci-fi writers. Right? You've got like um, Isaac Asimov, Robert Heinlein. I put Philip K. Dick up there. Maybe you've got H.G. Wells up there. Ray Bradbury is pretty, pretty good up there as well. Um, what yeah. about other guys like, um, like league of uh, 20,000 leagues under the sea. What's that guy? What's his name? That's H.G. Wells. Oh no, Jules Verne, Jules Verne. Jules Verne. Is he considered sci-fi or is some of his stuff is sci-fi? Some is, yeah. I mean, H.G. Wells was like straight up sci-fi. Like H.G. Wells invented the time machine. Like he was the first one who was like, what if you could invent a machine that could travel through time? So he's like the hardcore dude, but Jules Verne, yeah, he had 20,000 years under sea, uh, around the world in 80 days, I think. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. He had a few of those. Journey to the center of the earth. Yeah. So he, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Um, all right, so um, let's see what else we got here. Uh, what is the name of the screenwriter who also wrote the classic Alien? This is going to show behind the curtain here. You actually quizzed me on some of these questions earlier, and you told me the answer, and I still forget. 
Well, I'm kind of cheating because I tweaked it a bit. I tweaked it a bit. I, 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 I reshuffled the question. It's very good. You did a good job because you, you kept it. <laughs> Kind of just like tweak the, the what did tweak the writer? Tweak the, okay, good job. No, I don't know. I'm kind of doing the Jeopardy version of the. It's uh, Dan O'Bannon. So this guy, so Dan O'Bannon is a smart dude. He came up with the movie Alien, uh, which is an all-time great sci-fi movie. And then um, he adapted. Uh, he 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 was smart enough and had the wherewithal enough to get a Philip K. Dick short story that was uh, probably obscure at the time and bring it out of obscurity and then adapt it and sell it. So um, kudos to you, Dan O'Bannon, wherever you are. Thank you, Dan, for being a listener. We know you love our podcast. Yeah, you can be an honorary member. Sure. Um, All right. So, Joe, technical, technical side. Yeah. Does it hold up for you? (laughs) It Besides the rubber mask. Does. I will say it does. Um, practical effects always hold up in my mind. Not always, okay. I think. But these do. Um, the over-the-top gunshots, I kind of like. I mean, I think that it, it shows me the future. It shows me that maybe the guns are more powerful. So I like all okay. that squibs and stuff. I think that all holds up. Um, yeah. You know, the visual effects, like the two weeks woman, not really making sense, right? Also, like... Yeah, maybe he had a fake head, but that's Arnold Schwarzenegger's body with a woman's head. Are you telling me no one saw Schwarzenegger's body? Okay, whatever. Um, you know, Olympia with that two weeks woman's head must have looked a little strange. The point is that, yeah, I think they would have been a little more suspicious. Right. Um, no, I think that uh, it holds up for the most part. And I think that it's really still fun. Um, the only thing I will say about not holding up is that there's a lot of expository dialogue scenes. There's like three or four of them. They're okay. They're interesting in some ways, but some of them are a little tedious and tiresome, I think. And that might be boring for a modern audience. Um, other than that, I, I do think it all kind of works. I mean, I know there's some a few plot holes, but... Yeah, I just was along for the ride and enjoying every kind of moment there. So yeah. it, it holds up, baby. Yeah. Yeah. I I think from a technical point of view, okay, so stylistically you're right, eighties, nineties straight up. But I think from a technical you know, I saw so I was I, I was looking at the their shots on Mars. I think they combined two technologies. I think they did um matte paintings in the background. And then I think they did miniatures for the um, for the colony. Yes, I think that. Yeah, I think a combination of the miniatures and the mad paintings, I think, is still really held up. I thought that the effects were really cool. I agree that practical effects, you know, have they gotten that much better since they were in 1990? I don't know. Maybe not. So they were pretty good back then. I think. Like I think they were. It was able. To, you know, I able to hold its own. Now you're making me think about some of the other blue screen stuff, which was bad. The it wasn't it wasn't horrible. Behind Cohagen and few right. Other right, not the dome. It looked pretty blue screeny. Like you could see the lines, like the border. Right. But again, I'm just gonna forgive that because that would that would just be really much 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 better today with a nice green screen. So yeah. uh, you know, considering I really don't think it's too too bad. It, it, yes, it has right. limitations, but. Oh, I, I, it all checks. <laughs> yeah. I think it's also interesting that this was one of the most expensive movies of all time at that moment in history, which to, to think that a $50 million was the highest budget movie ever is insane. Like nowadays it's like they're spending, they don't even tell us anymore. They don't even tell us like probably up to 300 million on like, on like, uh, you know, on like uh, Avengers uh, Infinity War, I mean, it's fifty million dollars just to hire Robert Downey Jr. and he's like a he's like one of the eight Avengers. You know, like it's pretty wild how budgets have uh, escalated, and uh, and it's pretty interesting to think that this was the most state of the art movie in nineteen ninety, right up up to that point in terms of budget. Uh, and I think it shows. I think it's good. I think it holds up. I mean, I think. I think Paul Hervin is deliberately cheesy, and I think it was just like, I think it worked out great. I mean, he did Batman and Robin, right? So that was like his downfall. Like, Showgirls and Batman and Robin was like the death of Paul Hervin's career. Robin, he didn't think oh, he did. did it. I don't think he did. Okay, but Showgirls, I guess, was the death of his career then. The other, yeah. the other weird thing is that this movie was like an X rated at the time, or like it was 
it was above R rated. And I was trying to figure out why I think that there was the three, there was a very iconic three breasted alien. Yeah, that's true. That they, that they fondle and they show quite a bit. Uh, there's the Sharon Stone sort of sexy scenes at the beginning. Right. Um, but I don't know. I, maybe the violence was so over the top that the critics or the, uh, the censor boards were just like, we it doesn't seem any more crazy than another movie from that era, you know? Right. Basic Instinct has way more frontal nudity. Right. Not the famous scene where, you know. That's true. And when was Basic Instinct? That was like after this, right? So maybe this was like leading the way. A year, right. I don't know. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. I, I um, I, yeah, I feel like it's very interesting because if it, one more thing about that is the Sharon Stone nudity felt like it was one of those scenes where he kind of tricked her again, like you know, right. in the story like he didn't tell her that you know he was going to shoot her from that angle, I think, or something, or use that mm. spot where she crossed her legs, and it seemed like uh, kind of that kind of thing. He was just like, "Hey, why don't you just play around with Arnold? I'll just keep the camera running, and uh, you know, we're not going to use it." And then he put it in the movie, and I bet she's probably pissed at him. Yeah, could be. Um, yeah, what else can I say about that? I think one more thing I want to say about the, the cheesiness and overtopness of it. Um, in the beginning, I really was like, this acting is a little crazy. Like Sharon Stone's acting uh-huh. is a little weird. Um, you know, even the construction guy, everyone's just over the top. But then you realize that they are acting in the movie and it works a lot. Like Sharon right. Stone's character is playing a shitty part, right? She's trying to be mm-hmm. a um, and she's right. herself or something. So, right. so you realize that you're like, oh, okay, I can go back and see all those weird, awkward moments. And you're like, yeah, it checks out. It makes sense. So right. it covers a lot when you have actors in the movie acting, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, so have you seen, have you seen the new one, Joey? Have you seen the new one? have not seen the new one. I do not want to see the new one. Right. I will be forced to eventually because of this world cast, but I do. Uh, I hope not. Uh, you don't need to. It's, it's not, it's not worth watching. You know, it kind of, it, it kind of goes to show you that with all the modern technology and all the slick style and all the cool special effects, it just doesn't have the same charm as this one. It doesn't have the same, it just doesn't work. It's just boring. And it looks great, but the story's not there. The acting's not there. The characters you don't care for. I don't know. This just had a, this has a magical charm about it to me. I, I don't know. It's, it's of its time, but um, it just, it, it just shows, goes to show you that there's sort of a, an alchemy that happens in movies sometimes that's unexplainable where something works or it doesn't work. And the new one just doesn't work. I think there's so. I hope you don't have to watch it. I think there's also really good writing in this one. I don't know about the new one, but the, the lines are pretty funny. You know, uh, you think this is the real uh, Quaid? It is. Right. Uh, you know, uh, consider this a divorce. Great line. Right. Amazing. Yeah. One of his best one-liners. Um, so I and th- then get your ass to Mars. Get oh, your ass to Mars. There's so many quotable lines. So many right. quotes. See you at the party, Richter. He, do, he does it right. down even. I was I love that. Uh, the Schwarzenegger, he's so Schwarzenegger in this movie. Like he's very, yeah. really more Schwarzenegger than when he's like decompressing and Mars and just going. I just can't get I, I really can't. Right. Uh, right. I want to say one more thing about why I think this movie is special, and that I think is the music. I think uh, the mm. score is really, really awesome. It it's made yeah. by Jerry Goldsmith, composed by Jerry Goldsmith, a very, very uh, you know prolific composer, famous for the Star Trek theme. Um, mm. I think many others, wow. dozens others, but I feel a lot of the Star Trek stuff in here. It's got that kind of happy fantasy feel, but also this kind of creepy, ominous feel to it too. So he kind of combined a lot. Um, he does a lot of interesting stuff too. I like that he made the song in the, um, in the, the brothel, you know, that kind mm-hmm. of cool, futuristic funky song. I, I, you know, mm-hmm. There's a lot of interesting kind of ideas here that he worked on clearly that he was like, I want to think about what future music sounds like. I want to think about what the mm-hmm. brothel would sound like. You know, that's kind of cool. Right. I like that he was trying other shit for a traditional composer. And one more thing is I really did love just the sound of the recall that, you know, the that, that kind right. of 
almost the clock ticking of it. It's it's right. got the feeling of like Hans Zimmer in um, Dunkirk, you know, that mm. clock ticking giving you tension and time. But this was not quite as tension filled. It was more dreamlike, right? Mm. It was, this is going to fade away or fade into an arpeggio. So it's almost like, hey, this is the recall happening and you're going to experience the world uh, in a new way. And I really, really, really like that. I really liked what he did with that specific theme. Um, so I don't know. Jerry Goldsmith, can, you know, great job wherever you are. Nice. So he wrote the original. Da, 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 da. I think he did the Next Generation one. OK, got it, got it. Got it. Um, you know, that one. I don't even care. Right. Got it, got it, got it. Oh, yeah, that's great. That's good. It's good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. Um, all right. Well, um, what do you think? Should we, uh, should we, uh, do you have anything other things you want to do or should we give her a rating? I mean, we sort of talked about legacy a little bit, I, I guess, in the sense that, like, you know, it had a, it, they tried to remake it to no success. They, uh, it was the most extensive movie at the time. Um, what do you think? Was there, is there anything else we need to talk about or should we go straight to rating? I think we can go to the ratings. I have some stupid tidbits about Michael Ironside, but you know, who cares? Let's move on. He's a great let's actor. Talk about Mike, no, let's talk about Michael Ironside. Do it. So, Absolutely. Love him. I think he's such a great character actor. Um, he showed yeah. up in Starship Troopers as well as the drill instructor. Um, and I just love the fact that he always plays guys who are just tough as nails, badasses. Um, he happens to always lose an arm in movies. I don't know why. Paul, Paul Verhoeven yeah. like make him, you know, get his arms chopped off but you know he's so good in this role as the henchman because he's not he's obviously pissed all the time at you know at uh, schwarzenegger but he's he's the middleman and he like he takes such shit from cohagen and i love his relationship with cohagen it's so interesting right. to see that and it's not it's you know we get a little of that kind of darth vader vibe where he's just the henchman right. you know, under the emperor. but i think he's a great character and i just i don't know i really love michael ironside in general and so good in this movie. That's all. all right. He is great. Did you dig him? I totally did. I mean, he's like the ultimate '80s '90s villain, right? He's in like all these movies, and he's got that weird scar on his face that he's he, because because of that scar. I think. Thank you for the snowball in the face. Um, <laughs> because of that scar, I feel like he's he's destined to be a villain. Here's a firecracker in your face. Um, <laughs> But um, I think he's destined to be a villain. There's nothing you can do. Ah, that's kind of scary when it's pointed at you. Oh, yeah. I'm not going going your face, Graham. Ah, well, I'll I'll go in your face. I won't. That villain face. Um, Yes. You know, and also, who's the guy who plays the main villain? Oh, he's also the main villain of Robocop. I don't know his name. Ah, he's. He's so villainous. He's so mustache twirly villain. Like No one does a, yeah, exactly. A villain monologue at the end where he just explains his whole problem, his whole thing. Like he totally right. could have just blown up Schwarzenegger with the remote control. He just had to explain his bad. Guy. Right. Yeah. 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 Well, the, the villain always has to explain the, the evil plot, the evil plot to undo. Of course. Um, it was kind of neat. Uh, I, I, yeah. I, I, speaking of the villain play, it was kind of neat that the um, the machine that they discovered underneath the Martian colony was like uh, five hundred million years old, or no? Was it was it half a billion years old or half a million? No, half a million years old. A million. Yeah, I have half that. a million. So it's five hundred thousand years old. It's kind of mm-hmm. cool. I like that. I love that. The technology worked after all that years. I think um, that we didn't quite touch on the Mars aspect of it, the colony. Right. Right. That is really right. crazy that this one guy has complete control over an entire colony. Um, he's right. running a police state, right? He has yeah. the ability to cut off air from any sector he wants. Yep. And he's obviously prejudiced against the mutants. Mm-hmm. Give a shit about them. Um, I think there's a lot of interesting kind of ideology and political, socio-political themes here that are not yeah. explored completely deeply. But, you know, it's it's cool to see that he at least kind of shows what it might be like in a Mars sort of colony. Totally. Right? If you're really totally. years, years away from Earth, what's to say you can't be, you know, some sort of, uh, you know, dictator? Totally. 
I think that's a very likely possibility. If, if, cause uh, you know, if you look at SpaceX, for example, right, hopefully, uh, uh, hope, hopefully Elon Musk is a benevolent dictator, but if he goes to, if a, if a private company like SpaceX goes to Mars and starts colonizing, then it's a privatized place. So that means that he's going to be the emperor of a Martian colony. And then you can only imagine if like, okay, let's say that Elon Musk is benevolent, but he dies. And his son is like this, like entitled dickhead. We have to, we have to now like president X, whatever. Yes. X, X or five, nine, seven, two, one. Seven, yeah. If that guy, <laughs> if that guy inherits the Martian colony and is a dickhead, then there's, this is a completely likely scenario. I think King X this is going to oh, fuck us all. Well, so this movie took, so what, do you remember what movie, what year this movie took place in? I do. It was 2084. 2084. So that means that's like so 55 years, 56 years from now. Right. So that means that, uh, Elon Musk might be, if we can have longevity, life extension, he might still be alive, but his son X would be like 55 years old. So he would literally be the villain of Total Recall. Wow, you're right. He, <laughs> okay, little X, we're, we're looking at you, kid. That's right. We're on to you. I'm going to be honest, okay? And I'm not a big fan of Elon. And I don't know if he's going to be a very good dad. So it's definitely possible that, that this X kid right. will grow up to like be like a really big supervillain. I can see it. Okay. Should we get into Elon? Should we get into Elon Musk? <laughs> should, should we? Should we do it? Yeah, I feel like we should. I feel like we should. So tell me, what what do you got against the man? What do you got against Elon? What's the, what, he's doing things. Okay, I want to hear it. I want to hear it. I, let's have this out. <laughs> I'm shooting off fireworks in virtual reality for all you listeners out there. <laughs> yes, he is. Very angrily shooting off fireworks into nothingness. He's, he's popping off, guys. About So I think that in general, Elon is a successful businessman, and that's his skill set. Um, which is true. He started PayPal and, you know, it was a decent idea, I guess. Not amazing, but a good idea. Whatever. And then, um, you know, he basically got a contract from NASA. Now, the biggest deal for me is that he's good at creating the mythology of himself and, and making people think he's this really, really amazing, interesting, you know, Tony Stark thing, which started a few years ago. And it's really smart and it was really good. And it got kind of his reputation up and that made his, you know, helped kind of the stock as though he was kind of the mascot of this place. Um, but if you talk to a lot of the people who he works with um, and a lot of the people who kind of actually own Tesla's, uh, the actual products are very good, um, especially Teslas are supposedly very oh. bad. Like, like the um, the actual like like the stuff comes off. Like, obviously the battery is good, but everything else is pretty crappy. Like, there's a lot of problems oh. that people are complaining about. Um, also, I know that people who work with him are kind, they know he's kind of uh, he takes credit for stuff that he doesn't do, which is okay. I mean, whatever. I just think he's not um, all he's cracked up to be, and I think it's kind of weird when I see that like all these online fanboys have created this big mythology about him, and I just don't, I don't see it. That's that's all I get. Okay. I, I think that yeah, I mean, I'm glad he's creating stuff. I'm really I'm watching SpaceX. I'm watching the launches. I'm into it all. I just don't think he's personally uh, is 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 responsible for all of it. That's all. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Plus, well, I let he's, me, he's a good businessman. I'll give him that. He's a good businessman. Okay. I'm going to, uh, so I, I guess you could call me a fanboy. I, I guess you could, because here's the thing. Like, uh, it, it, I mean, this guy is not only doing one thing at once. He's revolutionizing like five industries at once. Like, like he's okay. So PayPal was a very successful company, made him like what, $500 million or whatever it did. So obviously it was a very good idea that was needed in the world or it wouldn't have taken off. Then he starts. Okay. So then he's got Tesla where he's reinventing the car to be, uh, um, you know, non-gas emission, right? He's, he's leading the way in that. Then he's doing SpaceX. It's like, it's like side gig. He's doing, he's like building reusable rockets that will get us to Mars. Like that's kind of insane. Then he's doing Neuralink where he's going to like 
merge us with AI so that we, our brains can be an extension is a little more far off of AI. Well, we'll see. And then he's doing the boring company where he's trying to save the world from, uh, from, from, from traffic jams. Right. And, 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 and then, you know, he's, he had the hyperloop in there for a while. And, and, but I mean, for one person to do one thing, how do you explain pretty incredible? How do you explain all of his tweets? Like we well, have to get into his personal mind and his tweets yeah. look like a fool. I know he, he's just, he's, he's just trolling the world. Right. He's just trolling the world. Like he doesn't give a shit and he's just like playing into their hands and he's kind of being obtuse and, and, and like ironic. And he's just like messing with everyone. Like, so I read his biography and according to, okay. So you're saying that a lot of people who work with him saying that he takes too much credit, but would I ever, uh, all the things I ever hear from anyone who works with them, uh, including Peter Thiel, right? Peter Thiel is like this other great being a liar, that guy awful human being is true, but he says, he says, I agree. I don't agree with all of his politics and all that, but he says that never underestimate, uh, Elon Musk and don't ever bet against Elon Musk. And he's not, everyone I hear who's worked with him says the same thing. And, and when I read his bio, so, so the thing is like, he's not just a pure charlatan, right? Like he's not like an empty, uh, hollow salesman. He actually is an engineer. He's actually got, he's actually, I, he's probably on the spectrum somewhere where he's got this, uh, memory, like a, uh, photographic memory. And he can remember like when he was a kid, he was like memorizing encyclopedias, like, and he's one of the head, uh, as far as I understand, at least one of the engineers of the SpaceX team. So it's not like he's, he's like brilliant mind. Who's kind of like doing all these crazy things. Uh, and if nothing else, so let's just pretend that he's not an actual engineer who's building the future. <laughs> let's just pretend that for a second. Let's just say he is a businessman. Wasn't, wasn't Steve Jobs just a businessman who had a vision? I didn't say I love Steve Jobs. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, so, so I guess what I'm saying is. I think Steve Jobs has, has created, honestly, if we give him credit for the iPhone, I don't know if you want to do that, but I would put yeah. up the iPhone against some stuff that. Elon's done. Okay, but wait ten years. Maybe, maybe. I also wait think, ten years. How do you view all of Elon's weird public stunts, though? Like the Thai, the Thai kids, like the kids in the cave stuff, like his ridiculous. I think look, idea for a submarine, and then he called the guy a pedo. Like, right? Look, I'm not saying that Elon Musk is perfect. I'm saying that. Super geniuses uh, go off the rails sometimes, and you shouldn't take everything he says, uh, uh, um, you know, with with value. But I think that um, what I what, to finish what I was saying before, about to say was that if we even take away his engineering feats and the fact that he can run like four world potentially world changing companies at once, let's just take away that. The fact that he's able to do things that spark the imagination for another generation to think, let's reach beyond where we are. Let's like, let's reach to the stars. Let's like, okay, we don't like oil. Let's get rid of oil. Let's like, let's create a, a, a Tesla in a, in a shingle on your house that will get the sun rays and then the sun rays will put it into a battery and then the battery will fuel your car and your car has like a, a touchscreen iPad. First person to think of that though? He's the first person to execute it. Maybe. He's executing it. And that's the thing is to me, I, yes, you're right. But that's, that is his talent is gathering his producers and people to get, give him money. He knows how to get money. Okay. And but I think he can do that because I think he can do that because he's always the smartest person in the room. Oh, I don't think he's just like, I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't think he's a, I don't think he's a hollow charlatan. I think he's actually like a brilliant engineer. So I think that's where it comes from. Right. I don't know. A lot of middle ground there, right. Between hollow charlatan and brilliant engineer. Maybe he's yeah, just, okay. he just happened to luck into a huge fortune from his dad from South Africa who took it from. That's not true. No. He also became Canadian. He was, a, he was South African to Canadian. 
I think he made his own way. I think he made his own money from here. Investment into PayPal. Where did he get that money? Well, first of all, he w- he didn't invest in PayPal, but he sold. He's no, he sold his first company. He sold his first like video game when he was like ten or something. He invented a video game and like sold it for like five hundred thousand dollars or something like that. And then his second company he sold for like a million, and then PayPal he sold for like a billion or whatever. So like, he's like, he's had a track record of, uh, of, uh, of success along the way. Anyway, I, I'm not saying he's perfect. All I'm saying is I don't know. I, I, I know that the, there are very smart people in my life who hate Elon Musk and I'm not quite sure. I don't quite, I don't quite understand why. Well, like I think he's, yeah. <laughs> and you're Joey. <laughs> I just, I, I've, I'm one of those people. I think that has seen him a lot live. I've seen him a lot in interviews recently. Um, because he's been on a lot of stuff. Um, I saw him on the Joe Rogan podcast twice, uh, which is, you know, yeah. three hours sitting with the guy. Um, right. At the time, he didn't smoke weed. So that's a little bit, I'm not going to chalk up the weed. I'm like, whatever. You never smoke weed before. You act like an idiot. Whatever. Go ahead. Right. But second one, um, yeah, it was just, he seems aloof. I'm going to be honest. He just seems like he doesn't quite know what's up. And he sometimes like adds words into his sentences to feel smart. Like, uh, I, I know that's not rude, but like he'll sometimes start talking about like vectors, uh, when it's completely not the right usage of it. And like, he feels like he's just trying to like put big words into his sentences to, to appear smart to people who maybe don't know what he's talking about. So right. I know that sounds harsh again, but there's a lot of that. Oh from some of the stuff, the, the, the stuff I've seen of him. Right. Maybe that's why. I don't, right. Let's get off it. But well, I, 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 we'll agree to disagree. I don't think he's a charlatan. I don't think that. I think that he might just be a little bit exaggerated as mythology. That's all I think. And okay. Big, Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. So, I, uh, it's a good tangent. Fair enough. To talk about. It is. Because, you know, it's, it's it, you know, he, let's, 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 Let's not forget that he believes in the simulation theory. He did the math. He did this mathematical thing where you follow his logic, and he's like, "Oh shoot!" He's like, um, "There is like a billion to one chance that we are living in a simulation." So, in other words, there's a one percent, there's a point zero 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 one percent chance that we are living in not a simulation, and there is billion to one chance that we are living in a simulation. So, uh, anyway, we'll get out to that in another day. We'll get out to that in another day. So, but, but, uh, whether we believed in it, but we'll get back to it. Anyway. Right. Okay. So let's rate total recall. Let's rate it. Let's give it a rating. Let's do it. Uh, who goes first? I think you should go first. All right. My rating for total recall. I think that it is a perfect time capsule of 1990. I think it's like, the action movie with the state of the art technology with Arnold Schwarzenegger given one liners, like never before an incredible color palette, uh, interesting idea from a short story by Philip K. Dick, one of my favorite authors, if not my favorite author. Um, I think that there are some logic holes, but I forgive it because it's so entertaining. I think to this day, it is very entertaining. There's iconic scenes. There's iconic moments that I remember from my childhood that I, I still think hold up. I am going to give it a seven and a half. Okay. Wow. I was expecting a higher number from your interview. I know because I just said all these great things, right? <laughs> a lot for a seven and a but half. The reason I give it a seven, the, re, the, the, the negatives are that the plot, there's a, some holes in the plot. I mean, it is an Arnold Schwarzenegger thing. You're like, okay, I love Arnold Schwarzenegger, but I don't go to give him a nine. Mm-hmm. Although, if I watched, like, maybe I would. Predator, I love. Predator is, like, my favorite Arnold Schwarzenegger. Predator's amazing. Predator's great. Maybe I'll, maybe, whatever. I could say, what can I say? It's a seven and a half. That's fine. You're allowed, you're entitled. Yeah. yeah. Okay, well, um, I'm going to go ahead and do what you said you probably shouldn't do, and I'm going to give this a nine. Oh, snap. All right. Is almost as good as it gets when it comes to an action movie. I can't ask for a lot more. I really can't. I mean, it's got some interesting ideas that tickle your brain. Tons of cool action. Tons of funny action lines, one-liners. Schwarzenegger just acting his ass off. You know, ridiculous bullshit. Over-the-top acting by Sharon Stone. Great villain. You know, just... 
this year stuff i think that i don't know i can't really say there's there's obviously a few problems it's not a perfect movie um it's a little right. and you're right there's some plot holes but you know I just i this is one of those movies that if i see it on tv i'm watching it and i can pick it up any moment and watch it and be enjoying it like it's not it's just it's just a really easy fun thing to watch and those kind of movies i think are so invaluable because you know you're right internal sunshine is amazing i do love that movie too but there's yeah. i can't just watch it anytime i have to be in the right mood i have to be in the right mindset and this kind of thing it's like i don't know i can watch it when i'm happy i can watch it when i'm sad i can watch it when i'm stoned i can watch it when i'm drunk you know it doesn't matter i'll watch it right sure oh, i don't know I, i'm a big fan total recall nine out of ten baby yeah. Hey, you know, maybe I, maybe I was a little too harsh. Maybe I was a little too harsh. You're right. I, it does. It is. I can't change it now, but it's, it's written for all of eternity in podcasts and virtual reality land. All right. Thank you for teleporting into this world cast of simulation nation. Whether you are with us in virtual reality or 2d or listening to the podcast a week from now on Spotify or iTunes. And remember to subscribe to our Instagram at the simulation nation, Twitter at SimNation VR and our Facebook and discord until next time. Stay plugged. My friends.